Here's Steph Curry with the shot. Ben cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301. Live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 114 of Curry in the Pot. Yes, yes, yes. I'm back again with another episode, man. If you missed last week's episode with my guy, the co-producer, the man behind the scenes, my brother from another mother, Mr. B. Jones, make sure I go check that out, man. My man B. Jones came through. We had a real good dialogue, man. Season recap. Uh, talked about coaching vacancies, and they're all they're all filled now. Besides the Browns job, I'm gonna talk a little bit about that in a little bit. We also talked um, award predictions. We talked wild card matchups. We had uh, some great stuff, man. So if you did miss that one, in fact, make sure I go check it out, man. It's always a pleasure and an honor when my guy B Jones comes through because he 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 does so much behind the scenes. And I say this all the time, man. Without him, Curry in the pot doesn't exist. If it does exist, it, it wouldn't have gotten this far. So, B. Jones, thank you for all that you do, man. You the greatest. But uh, big shout out to the guys over at HMO Entertainment. Hear me out, Entertainment, man. I came on their podcast yesterday. And uh, we had some good vibes, man. Great hospitality, man. I really appreciate those guys having me on. They, they treated me real good, man. So, I really, really appreciate that, man. And I'm going to do some collaborative work with them in the very near future. Um, so shout out to them. The episode will be coming out real soon. But uh, yeah, man, we had a <laughs> we had a wild, wild, wild card weekend. It actually lived up to its name. Wild card weekend was crazy. I'm gonna talk about that. I'm gonna recap that first. The divisional round is now upon us. Of course, I'm gonna talk about that. And I gotta talk about um all the vacancies that have been filled as far as head coaching. So let's get right into it, man. Last week, we had a crazy game. The first game of the wildcard playoffs, it was the Texans hosting the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills actually jumped out on the Texans really early, man. Um, they got out on them, man. Josh Allen was doing his thing very early on, man. And it looked like they just, well, not even it looked like. They had very good control of this game, man. They were up 16 to nothing with about six minutes left. In the third quarter. So they dominated this game for about two and a half quarters. On all facets, man. On all facets. But Deshaun Watson, man. He did what Deshaun Watson does. This guy is a winner um, on the high school level. Winner. College level. Winner. He beat Alabama. So he's a winner. And this guy's just special. He has that it factor. He's an all-around gamer, man. He just... He just has it, man. That's that's what Deshaun Watson does, man. So when I saw the Texans, like I always said this. I said this to my dad the other day right during the game. I said, they got Deshaun Watson, man. This game ain't over. They got Deshaun Watson. When you have a QB like that, that, that is just a winner, you're never out of a game, man. We saw it, man. 16 to nothing. They did have home field advantage, so the crowd got into it at NRG Stadium in Houston. And it was rocking. It was rocking in there. But Deshaun Watson, he did his thing, man. He did his thing, man. The Texans really needed it, man. He scored a 20-yard touchdown run. As his first touchdown, they got the two-point conversion after that. Then they had a field goal. Carlos High caught a pass from Deshaun Watson. But did y'all see that play? Well, he just avoided defenders, broke out of a sack, and just dropped it off to extend that drive, man. This guy, this guy is a wizard, man. And... It's crazy, man, because this was what Dabo Sweeney was saying, man. He compared Deshaun Watson to Michael Jordan. I'm telling you, 
they pass on Deshaun Watson, uh, they're passing on Michael Jordan. I mean, I'm just telling you. Uh, I don't know what the heck I'm talking about. I'm just an old funky college coach, but uh, Deshaun Watson is the best by a long shot that I've been around. Uh, just a great preparer, week in and week out. He loves it. You know, he graduated in three years. I mean, this is a driven, focused kid that's been way too busy to being great to be distracted by anything. And so he's just ready for the moment. It's just, it's just he's so prepared. And also in this game, the Will Fuller theory um, actually didn't come true. So they were eight and three without Will Fuller, and they were two and three. No, eight and three with them. I'm sorry, and two and three without them. So now they're three and three without them. Um, that was a big win. I just feel like the Buffalo Bills collapsed, and we saw a young quarterback in Josh Allen who, who just wasn't quite ready for the playoff playoff moment, man. You know, this is his first playoff appearance. I'm sure he'll learn from it. Um, Sean McDermott, he'll learn from it. And they'll, they'll be good, man. They'll, they'll be just fine. They'll, I still think they'll be in the hunt for the next few years because they got a bunch of young talent. Uh, Josh Allen, Tremaine Edmonds, Tredavious White. It's a bunch of young... Devin Singletary. It's a bunch of young talent on that team. So, I don't think this is the last you'll see of the Buffalo Bills, but I do think the real difference between that game was you have a quarterback like Deshaun Watson and you have a quarterback like Josh Allen. And so one guy has that it factor and he's an all-around gamer. And then another guy, jury's still really out on him. I mean, he had an impressive year uh, running and passing, um, especially running. I, I like Josh Allen. I still think, you know, he he hasn't hit his potential yet. He hasn't hit his ceiling. So that, that's still good news for Buffalo Bills fans. And uh, J.J. Watt also returned from his injury and came back. And um, we saw we saw his impact, man. We saw his impact. But uh, moving right along, man, to the game that had people all over the world celebrating. So, matter of fact, speaking of celebrating, I was in Starbucks the other day. Um, the day after the game, actually. So, last Sunday, I was at Starbucks. And uh, this lady came in. She's like, good morning. And then, like, half of the people in Starbucks said good morning. I wasn't one of them, but, yeah. So, she was like, hallelujah, everybody. Hallelujah. She was like, amen. Um, she was like, the Patriots lost, everyone. She was like, this is the end of Tom Terrific Brady. She was like, if you didn't see it last night, just put your hand in the air and say amen. So, I thought that was a little funny. Um, but, yeah, it looks like this could be the end of an era. As the New England Patriots lost at home in Foxborough to the Tennessee Titans. Um, Derrick Henry has been an outstanding story this year. And um, he had 34 carries, 182 yards on the ground. The, the Patriots just had no answer for him. Derrick Henry averaged 5 yards a pop. And his longest run was 29 yards. So he, he was still, you know, gashing the Patriots in spurts. Getting that, you know, them 4, 5, 6, 7 yard carries. And that just takes a toll on the defense, man. And that's what playoff football is all about. You have to be able to run the football, and you also have to be able to get a pretty solid pass rush, too. And they were able to also do that. Um, they, didn't, they didn't sack Brady, but they, they still got pressure on him, able to force three and outs, et cetera, et cetera. I thought that... I thought that the Patriots would win, and I, thought, I knew the game would be close. Um, but I just thought, you know based on, you know, reputations that the Patriots would win. But I was wrong, and a lot of us were. Um, but they just had no answer for the run, man. Ryan Tannehill 
only had 72 yards. So you really saw the damage that was done was done pretty much by Derrick Henry. Not only did they were able to run the ball effectively, but when you run the ball effectively, you were able to control time of possession. Yeah, time of possession, they only won it by three minutes, but you're still able to control time of possession. And um, Mike Vrabel is also a Bill Belichick disciple, former player and former coach. And I, I'm, I'm not totally, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really shocked. I'm, I'm really not. I thought the Patriots, which would come back to haunt them, was cutting Antonio Brown. I know those allegations came out, and you pretty much got to do what you got to do in that scenario. But they needed Antonio Brown. Gronk retired last year. Didn't come back out of retirement as they, as some of the Patriots uh, members of the organization thought he may have, he may have unretired. Uh, but I thought Antonio Brown. I thought they should have tried to bring him back, man. Those rape allegations. Ever since he was cut from the Patriots, we heard nothing else about it. We we really heard nothing else. So I thought that they they needed him, man. Um, James White led the Patriots in receiving. James White did. Second in receiving yards was Benjamin Watson. Guy just retired after that game. Um, Nikhil Harry only got two catches, 21 yards out of him. Muhammad Sanu, we didn't really see much from him. And Julian Edelman is the Patriots' best receiver. He only had three catches for 30 yards. So I say this to say that Antonio Brown, he shouldn't have got cut. I mean... I mean, he should have got cut, but they should have brought him back because Julian Edelman is, is not a one. He's best suited at a two, and Muhammad Sanu is best suited at a three. But you got Julian Edelman being a number one, which he's never been a number one. Let's just face it. Even when Gronk was there, Gronk was the number one, and Julian Edelman was there. Even though Gronk was a tight end, he was still the number one target. So you, you guys get what I'm saying, man. They didn't really have a consistent vertical passing game, so... Yeah, moving right along to the Sunday Slater games, we had some more good ones, man. Wild Card Weekend did not disappoint. First game we had was the Vikings hosting the Saints. It ended in a very controversial ending um, with the no pass interference call to push off on Kyle Rudolph. If you ask me, yeah, I thought it should have been pass interference, should have been reviewed, but let's 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 not pretend like. Let's not pretend like Drew Brees didn't have a key fumble in this game. Let, let's let's not pretend like that didn't happen. I just want to say, man, that the Saints lost to Kirk Cousins, man. And people always pick the Saints to come out of the NFC. I feel like that's a safe pick. Um, But if we're being honest, man, they haven't really gotten it done. They haven't really gotten it done. They won the Super Bowl back in 2008. I believe, yeah, 2010. Yeah, 2010 is when they won it. And let's just be, let's just call it what it is, man. They just haven't been getting it done. They they have a good have good regular seasons, but they just haven't gotten it done in the postseason. And you lose to Kirk Cousins, and now I picked the Saints to win strictly because this is Kirk Cousins in a big spot, and he was on the road too. That's another thing. They lost at home, and if we're being honest, take some hill. Was probably the best Saints quarterback in this game. I mean, Drew Brees was okay. He didn't do enough to for the Saints to win. Uh, but I gotta give credit when credit is due to the Minnesota Vikings, man. Even though that controversial call happened, they still drove down the field. 
They still completed a 50-yard bomb to Adam Thielen to set themselves up in the red zone. I mean, I got to give credit when credit is due to the Vikings. I thought they were going to actually blow this game. I really did. I thought they were going to blow it because they had that 20-10 to 10 lead. And I, I, thought for a, I thought for a second, oh, this is going to be typical Kirk Cousins. He's going to blow the game for the Vikings. But that didn't happen. And the Vikings advance and the Vikings move on. So let's talk about the last game of Wild Card Weekend. And that was the Seattle Seahawks taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. And the big story in this game was Carson Wentz going down, uh, had a concussion. Um, clowny concussed him. And um, the, the Eagles had to finish this game with Josh McCown. Now, Josh McCown is a 40-year-old journeyman. Um, he's played on... He's played on almost half the teams in the NFL in his tenure, man. Like, <laughs> like Josh McCown has straight up just, just about played for every NFL team. At least half of the NFL teams. And I actually forgot that um he was the Eagles' backup quarterback. Like I, like I said, man, he's on the Jets, the Browns, the Buccaneers, the Bears, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Lions, the Cardinals. He's been on a lot of teams, man. He's a journeyman. And, um... I'm pretty sure he didn't expect to. He didn't expect to play. He he had, he did not expect this. He did not expect Carson Wentz to go down there. He was going to come in the game. Now he didn't play terrible, but like I said, it's Josh McCown and the Seahawks were able to get after him. The Seahawks totaled seven sacks in this game. Sacked Josh McCown six times. It was it was rough for him, man. Um, the Seahawks. I wasn't super. I wasn't overly impressed, but like I said, um, they won the road. They won a road in a very hostile environment um, at Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. And they did what they needed to do to win. Just straight up. And I got a shout out to DK Metcalf, who had seven catches for 160 yards. He was big in this game. Um, Tyler Lockett did his thing as well. Um, shout out to the Seahawks, man. A win is a win, especially in the playoffs. On the road, too. I take my hats off to Seattle. So before I jump in and talk divisional round... I want to talk about these um these jobs that have been filled. Me and B. Jones, we shed light on the uh, Redskins job last week. Ron Rivera is now the head coach. He's getting his staff members in. Uh, some some guys from the Panthers, he's filling out his staff. Jack Del Rio will be the defensive coordinator. The Redskins will now run a 4-3. Scott Turner is taking on the offensive coordinator role. Kevin O'Connell, O'Connell looks like he's going to be out. I know a lot of people are upset about that, but... Jury's still out on Kevin O'Connell. I, I know the fear is that he could be, and I say could in capital letters, when quotation marks, that he could be a Matt LaFleur type, Kyle Shannon, I, which I doubt, Sean McVay, which I doubt, but the fear is when you lose another young offensive mind, you just, I guess Redskins fans are just fearful that he could evolve into one of those guys, and, and he could, but I just don't know. The jury's still out. Scott Turner could be a really good mind, too. You just don't know. Uh, the son of uh, North Turner, who was the Redskins coach, way back when. But I like I like, I like, the hiring of Ron Rivera. I think this was the best hire they could have made. And I was still shocked that the Redskins got him, too. Um, NFC East also filled out his coaching vacancies. Mike McCarthy is going to be the Dallas Cowboys head coach. Now, this one I was a little, a little shocked about, man, because... Uh, Jason Garrett was still fighting for his job, but I knew he was going to get released. Um, they only interviewed 
Marvin Lewis, and I believe they only did that because of the Rooney rule. And Mike McCarthy was also interviewed, and they hired him. And it just happened real sudden. I, I don't know if they tried to get uh, in touch with Lincoln Riley and Urban Meyer. Were they just not interested? I don't know. Um, I just don't, don't want to be pessimistic to this Mike McCarthy thing. I mean, Aaron Rodgers did say his offense was outdated. And that's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. But I'm thinking maybe the year off could have helped them. I think it could have helped them, man. I mean, they did win a Super Bowl um, a while back with Aaron Rodgers. But I just got to see it. So I'm not going to say, oh, that was a horrible hire. I just feel like he, him and Jason Garrett are very similar. That's my opinion. Um, And the Giants also made a hire. They hired... Joe Judge from the Patriots coaching staff. Joe Judge spent time underneath of Bill Belichick, also time underneath of Nick Saban. I think I think this hire potentially has some upside. I never heard of him. Um, I was told a few things about him, but I think I think um, I don't think it was a bad hire. I just never really heard of him, so I'm optimistic about this, and I think it could work. And they did give him a five-year deal, so they're, they're going to give it some time. I do think, I feel like, I always feel like you should give a coach at least two years to implement a system, maybe get some more players via free agency or in the draft um, that fits what he likes to do. And I also feel like when you get a head coach, you got to at least give him a chance at getting a quarterback. Now, hopefully he likes Daniel Jones. I don't know if he may like, potentially like um, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next draft. I don't know if he likes somebody else this draft. So we'll see, man. But I do like the hire of Joe Judge. I don't I don't know much about him. But um, you, and another thing is um, guys from the Bill Belichick coaching tree haven't really panned out. I don't know if this will be the same. But we just, we just got to see, man. Like I said, I feel like you got to give a head coach two years at least. At least. I feel like two years, two years bare minimum. Um, Freddie Kitchen was out in a year, but... Hey, things happen. But yeah, man. Um, the Carolina Panthers also made their hire, and Matt Rule is gonna be their guy. Matt Rule from Baylor. He turned the Baylor program around after that big scandal. Um, also turned the Temple uh uni- Temple University, also turned them around. Um and I'm hoping he could do that with the Carolina Panthers, man. They did give him a seven-year deal, so they're giving him time. I feel like they're going to give him three years minimum. Or at least three years, I'm sorry. They're going to give him at least three years, four years probably. Uh, Similar to what the 49ers did with Kyle Shanahan. Um, They gave Kyle Shanahan, I believe, a six-year deal. So they're going to give it time. I don't really know a bunch about Matt Rule. I can't really judge it from what Baylor does in college because Matt Rule is a defensive guy. So I guess good hire. I don't know. And then the Browns haven't um, hired a coach. Um, but I, the rumor is that Josh McDaniels is going to get an interview. So we'll see about that. I do feel like Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs offensive coordinator, should have got some love. Mainly because the guys that come out of Andy Reid's coaching tree tend to do well. Um, Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, um, Ron Rivera. Guys like that have had success in this league. So... He'll, he'll get his opportunity eventually, for sure. 
And uh, yeah, man, let's move on to the divisional round of the playoffs. It is now here. It is now upon us. The first game we have in the divisional round is going to be the Vikings taking on the 49ers in San Francisco, in Santa Clara, at Levi Stadium. Uh, kickoff time is at 435. This game will be on NBC. I will be checking it out. Um, we got the 49ers and the Vikings, man. I think, I think the 49ers are going to get this. A big boost could potentially be Quan Alexander, um, who has been practicing with the 49ers as of late. Um, I think that's a big boost, big underrated boost as well. But I like the 49ers, man. I think I think this team is going to come out of the NFC. Potentially, I think they will. That's my pick to come out of the NFC. But yeah, man, I think the 49ers will get this one. Kirk Cousins may slow down a little bit. But I think, I'm, I'm just expecting an interesting and a good game as well. Uh, give me the 49ers, man, especially at that D-line. That front seven can rattle Kirk Cousins. I think they'll win this game potentially by double digits. Next game, we got the Ravens hosting the Tennessee Titans. It's, it seems like it's been forever since we've seen Lamar Jackson because he didn't play in Week 17. Last time we saw him was Week 16. And I believe that was... Who was that game against? I think it was against the Browns. Yeah, and they got that revenge. Um, so, yeah, I feel like we haven't seen Lamar Jackson, who's going to be the league MVP. I feel like we haven't seen him in a while, so I'm excited. And I do feel like the Ravens still have some more stuff in the chamber um, that they've been hiding. Um, another interesting dynamic to look at, and I would just put on to this by my guy Jeff. Shout out to Jeff for this. But um, Dean Pease, the def defensive coordinator um, for the Tennessee Titans, he was the defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens back when they faced Colin Kaepernick in the Super Bowl. Um, so they may be able to contain those zone read concepts and RPO stuff. They may be able to contain that. I don't know. Lamar Jackson is just a different breed, more athletic, more electrifying than Colin Kaepernick was. But I think that's a very interesting dynamic to look at um, because he has experience coaching against that type of offense. Um, so we'll see Dean Pease going up against Greg Roman. Should be a good coaching battle from offensive coordinator to defensive coordinator. I'm just expecting a good game, but I can't pick against the Ravens right now, man. They're hot. They are a 10-point favorite. Um, I think if they can stop the run, which they do best, their fifth and rush defense, they'll win this game. They'll win this game. I'm going to take the Ravens. The Sunday slate. Woo, woo, woo. The first game, man. It's going to be at Arrowhead. It is the Texans taking on the Chiefs. Um, the Will Fuller dynamic is going to be very interesting to see if he plays, if he gives it a go. Um, I believe he was a limited participant in practice as of yesterday. I'm expecting him to play. But, mm. and the Texans did beat the Chiefs in the regular season, too. Mm. Whoo. I got to rock with Kansas City, though. I love Deshaun Watson. I really do. Um, but I wasn't overly impressed um, with that game last week. Now, this obviously is a new week. It's going to be a new game. But if you go down 16 to nothing to Kansas City, that lead is going gonna, is gonna to grow. <laughs> it's going to grow. That offense will not be very stagnant at all. If you go down 16 to nothing to Kansas City, you might go down 30 to nothing. I'm just keeping it. It's keeping it real. Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen it is a, a huge difference, a huge gap in quarterback play. Um, 
Uh, but I'm, I'm expecting this one to be a really good one, man. Um, but I gotta rock with, gotta rock with Kansas City, man. I gotta rock with the Chiefs. In the final game of this wild card weekend, the Seahawks and the Packers. I'm actually gonna take Seattle to win this one on the road in Green Bay at Lambeau. I just not haven't been overly high on the Packers. I just haven't. Um, defense has been sound. Offense just hasn't been it. They've only had a few really good offensive games this season. The Raiders game, the Cowboys game. Those two teams aren't in the playoffs. Obviously, didn't even make it. Um, but I, I like Seattle, man. I think Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. I, I, it's just facts. Um, I think this game is going to come out, come down to QB play and coaching. Matt LaFleur going up against Pete Carroll. I like Seattle. I really do. And that's just about it, man. That's all I got for you guys. Um, had to step in, give you guys some content before the playoffs begin again tomorrow. Divisional round is here. And uh, until next week, man, appreciate you guys for all the continued love and support. I'm your host. I'm your guy, Mike Curry. Episode number 114 is done. Peace.